You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. It's always a privilege to be able to share uh, the Word of God here. And um, I just... uh, I uh, just love uh, this church. I love all of you people. It's been my privilege to serve here for 26 years. <clears throat> and I just came from the Fenwick campus, and I was uh, amazed at how packed it was. And I told them, I said, oh, you've had a lot more people here since the last time I was here. And they had uh, very, just a tremendous time of worship And it was a great service, but uh, I got to say this. I just got to say this, and I'm a little biased. Just understand that. I'm a little biased, but nobody. Now, don't tell Fenwick or don't tell Rehoboth campuses, but there's no one other praise team that I would rather hear than Corey and this one. Uh, so, we're in this series, Christmas Before Jesus, and this is part four, and I'm actually going to talk about Christmas hope. Uh, as it's been said before, a lot of people prepare for Christmas early. Now, my mom is sitting back here and. This section, I believe, and my mom's 92, and uh, I don't think she does it quite as much now as she used to, but used to, my mom would begin Christmas shopping in February. My mom would be out shopping, and, and uh, she would see something. And, you know, Pastor Danny shared that last week. I believe it was about Eleanor Roosevelt had her little closet. Well, that's the way my mom was, only she had a, a spare bedroom, uh, one of the little spare bedroom there. And she would do her Christmas shopping and as she went through the year, and she would pile it in that room until just a few weeks before Christmas when she would begin to uh, wrap those Christmas gifts. And God began his uh, Christmas story early, his Christmas gift early, his Christmas shopping early. Uh, And throughout the Old Testament, he gave us many significant signposts that talked about the coming of the Messiah, that talked about the coming of his son. And the Message Bible in Isaiah 42.9 says, take note, the earlier predictions of judgment have been fulfilled. I'm announcing the new salvation work. Before it bursts on the scene, I am telling you about it. So God, throughout the Old Testament scriptures, was telling us about the birth of Christ. And one such such scripture is found in Numbers 24, verse 17. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. 
a scepter will rise out of Israel. So let me just uh, give you the backdrop to this story. And it's found, I believe, uh, through Numbers 22 through 24. And what has happened is the children of Israel have just come out of captivity and God is leading them to the promised land. And on the way, they have to cross this country called Moab with King Balak. And uh, King Balak becomes intimidated or fearful that they're going to overcome his country and take control of his country. So he calls for this man named Balaam. A lot of controversy around Balaam, whether Balaam was a real prophet or a false prophet or not a prophet. Uh, in the New Testament, 2 Peter 2.16, Peter calls him a prophet. Now, if he was a prophet, he was deceived. He was way out of line. He became greedy for money. The book of Revelation talks about Balaam. And so Balak sends for Balaam to come and curse Israel. Balak believed that Balaam had this power that whoever he cursed was cursed, whoever he blessed was blessed. So he sends for Balaam to come and curse Israel. And so Balaam seeks God all these two or three times as Balak keeps sending different messengers with more promises of more wealth. And finally, God says, you can go, but you can only speak the word that I put in your mouth. And so Balaam starts out and we know that his heart wasn't right because it says in Numbers 22, verse 22, but God was very angry when he went. Now, why was God angry? Well, it's because we assume that Balaam's heart was, he in his heart, he was not going to say what God wanted him to say. He was going to say what Balak wanted him to say so that he could get all of this wealth. So, Balaam starts out riding his faithful donkey, and on the way, God opens the eyes of the donkey, and the donkey sees the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn ready to slay Balaam. And so the donkey swerves off the road, and Balaam beats his donkey. Goes a little farther, and again, the donkey sees this angel with a sword in his hand, ready to slay Balaam. And the donkey swerves this time off and crushes Balaam's foot against the wall. And he beats his donkey again. And so then the third time, this angel appears with the sword in his hand. And the donkey sees him. And this time, there's no way to get around. So the donkey falls down. And Balaam beats him. And then... One of the most amazing, intriguing, interesting, weird verses of Scripture in all of the Bible, or it is to me. And I know I read about Jesus walking on the water, oh, great miracle. I read about how Jesus raised the dead, oh, great miracle. But here, God causes this donkey to speak. Now, that's not even the most amazing part to me about this scripture. 
Here's the most amazing part about this scripture. When that donkey begins to speak, Balaam just sort of responds like it's an everyday thing. Now, I've got to tell you, if I go home this afternoon and I take my dog Sadie out for a little walk and Sadie turns around and says to me, oh, what a beautiful day for a walk. I'm going to be jumping for joy. I'm going to be heading down to Salisbury to the local TV stations. I'm going to be making the late night circuit on the talk shows. I'm going to get me. I'm going to be rich. That wasn't Balaam's response. Balaam was like, the donkey says, have I ever acted this way before that you had to beat me? Balaam said, no, you've been a good donkey and just carries on this conversation with this donkey. So then Balaam sees the angel, realizes what's going on, and apparently says to the Lord, I'll speak what you want. He gets there to Balak. Balak, they make all these altars, and he takes him up on a mountain where he can curse Israel. And instead of cursing, he blesses Israel. He blesses them. And Balak says, oh, no, you can't do this. So he takes him to a different part where he can only see a small, small part of Israel hoping that maybe he will be able to curse them from there. And he does. And again, he blesses them. And finally, he says this here in Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. You'll have to excuse me if I drink a lot of water. I'm not used to speaking twice on Sunday morning. Sometime in the future, a star will rise over Israel and a scepter will come out of Jacob or a king will rise in Israel sometime in the future. So God lets them know that, lets us know that in this scripture here in Numbers, which leads me to my favorite Christmas passage. And that's in Matthew chapter 2-1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know really who these Magi were. Uh, some translations say wise men. Uh, some people believe they were some kind of scientists. They were astronomers or astrologists or something, but they were very intelligent, educated, wise men. And I like the story of the wise men versus the story of the shepherds. Some people love the shepherd story, and I understand the shepherds were just everyday men and all of that, but think about it. The shepherds, from my understanding, the field where the shepherds were, were just a stone throw away from Bethlehem. We have, uh, outside of our development, across Park Avenue, there's a little Anglican church. And the railroad track that runs by our house runs right by that Anglican church. If I was standing in my backyard and a host of angels appeared, 
and said, you need to get down to that Anglican church. God is doing something spectacular there. Well, I would hop up on that railroad track. It's about 400 yards, run down there, or this age in my life, I'd probably walk down there. But I'd get down there, and I would look to see what God was doing. And if there was nothing happening, I would say, oh, it was that bad pizza I had for dinner, okay? But the wise men, it took them two years I've heard estimates from 600 miles to 1,200 miles. Pastor Danny said 900, so we'll go with Pastor Danny. 900 miles. It took the shepherds a few minutes. It took the wise men two years. The shepherds may have had to deal with a little rain, maybe a little cold weather, but these wise men had to travel through deserts, over mountains, in fear of robbers and thieves attacking them, all because of that one little word that they read out of numbers, although they didn't know it as numbers, they knew it as the Hebrews' old scrolls. Let's go back to Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, we're not really sure what that star was. Uh, some people think it was just a regular star that God enhanced, magnified. Some people think it was possibly a meter, meteor that went across uh, towards Bethlehem. Uh, some people believe it was the, the glory of God shining over Bethlehem. That's, that's what I believe. Uh, we don't really know. But here's what I do know. That star represented hope. Okay? That star was leading them to the hope of the world. Jesus is our hope. He's everything that we can hope for. He's everything that we need. He is our redemption. He is our salvation. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our security. Jesus is everything. So even though the wise men didn't realize it, that star represented the hope of the world. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Pastor Danny's sermon last week, Bethlehem was just a little insignificant town in all of Jerusalem, or all of Israel. And yet God chose the little insignificant town to have his son, the Christ, Jesus, our Lord, to be born there. God uses the insignificant thing. Uh, a little side note here, when Pastor Danny was leaving last week, I told him, I said, Pastor Danny, after that sermon, I said, uh, you're like fine wine. 
The more you age, the better you get. And I just, that was just a, such a tremendous sermon last week. So Herod called the Magi, secretly found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now listen, listen to this verse. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Some translation says the star appeared again. So it seems to me that when they entered Jerusalem, they lost sight of the star. And it's understandable why, because they were off track. They had lost their focus. Now, I'm not blaming the wise men because if we were living in England or France or Germany or South Africa and we heard a new president had been elected in the United States and we wanted to come and honor this new president, where would we go? Washington, D.C., right? We wouldn't go to Missouri or Virginia or Massachusetts, their birthplace. We would go to where presidents were supposed to be. That's where these magi went. They went to Jerusalem, the place where kings were supposed to be. Now, it's easy. It's easy to get off kilter. It's easy to lose our focus. Last Christmas was really a difficult Christmas for me. I, around last year, around Thanksgiving, I got talking to some of my cousins and some of my other relatives, and we got talking about the good old days, the good old days. And we had a tradition. Every Christmas, this is what we did from the time I was little. On Christmas Eve, we went to my dad's parents, my mama and papa Hudson's, all my uncles and aunts on his side of the family, all my cousins. We would all gather there. Mama would cook this great, great uh, uh, meal, a feast on Christmas Eve. And then after we ate, uh, we would get presents and all that. And I got thinking about, because uh, on Christmas Eve, usually the women and the small children ended up in the living room and the men sat around the table. And as I got older, I got the privilege of sitting at the table with my uh, older cousin, Alton James. And, and, and I got thinking about all those good Christmas Eves and my dad and his brothers and brother-in-law all laughing and joking and talking talking about when they were small and their Christmases. And I got focused on that. And then Christmas morning, every Christmas morning, about 4.30 to 5 a.m., my grandparents, my mom and papa Hudson would come knocking on our door and they would get us all up and we would run out and look at our presents and open our presents and 
As soon as they left, we would pile in the car. We would go to my mom and Conway's, my and Papa Conway's, my mom's mom and dad, and all her brothers and sisters, and all my cousins on that side. And we would have a big feast, and we'd open presents. And I got thinking about all that, and I got thinking about my dad, who had been gone for a couple of years. And it was, you know, I just went in a real funk because I lost my focus. I lost sight of the star. I got off track. And I didn't come out of it until Christmas Day. Christmas Day, I was sitting there watching my grandkids open their gifts and watching them, the joy on their faces and watching all the fun they were having. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. See, I was focusing on what I didn't have lost focus on what I had. So it's easy for us to lose our focus. Some of you sitting here today, you may have lost your focus on the star that's leading us and guiding us. Verse 10, when the star, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They got their focus back. They began to see that star that was leading them to the king. When coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route or another way. These wise men, they saw the star and it stirred something up in them. They remembered something they had read in the old Hebrew writings out of the old Hebrew scrolls about a star rising in Jacob, signifying a new king had been born. They had one word, one scripture. This is another thing that I love about these wise men. One scripture, one short word of the Lord. And they, by faith, went to see this new king born in Bethlehem. Now, far as I know, they weren't believers. They weren't even close to being believers, but they acted on this word. Now, I believe they became believers. Why do I believe that? Because it says when they, now I might be stretching the scripture here a little bit, okay? But it says when they left Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Anybody that ever has an encounter with Jesus, their life is going to be changed. And it says when they left Jesus, they went another route. They went another way. Whenever you meet Jesus, you're going to go a different way. You won't be the same. You won't walk in the old ways. So their life was changed. So I believe they became believers that this was the Messiah. Now, my point is, how many sermons have we heard? How many scriptures have we read? If you've been saved a week, maybe you gave your heart last week to Jesus, you've probably read more than one scripture. 
In Pastor Danny's sermon, he mentioned more than one scripture. I've heard a lot of scriptures. Oh, and I've received Jesus as my Savior. I've been filled with his spirit. I've been baptized. But I've heard a lot of sermons on anger. Yet I still get angry. Now, I, I didn't want to disappoint any of you, but yeah, Pastor Jeff gets angry. Oh. I remember, now I'll say this, I am a lot better today than I was 40 years ago when I first began to walk with the Lord. But I remember a time when Kathy and I were living in this little trailer out in Portsville, Bethel, just on the other side of Laurel. And I don't remember the incident. I don't remember what happened, but I got so mad. I was just furious that I just kicked the air because I didn't want to kick the wall and break my foot. So I just kicked the air. And I was wearing loafers like these, and that shoe just flew right off my foot. Now, I know some of you are thinking and it hit Kathy right in the head. No, it didn't hit Kathy. It went right straight up, knocked a hole in the wall. Now, that's funny now. I laugh about it now. We laugh about it. It was funny. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then because we were renting that trailer and we were getting ready to move out. And the landlord was getting ready to come. And he was going to expect that trailer to see whether we got our deposit back. Now, we're talking 40-some years ago. So the deposit, I'm sure, wasn't that much. But to me and Kathy, it was a lot. But the landlord had mercy on us. He looked at it, and he said, oh, don't worry about that. I can fix that. So we've got to buy that. (laughs) But here's the thing. I still get angry. But I see today, I see that star of hope still shining before me. I know that the God of heaven is still working in my life. Philippians 1.6 says this, says this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I have character flaws. I have issues. I sin. I, you know, but I've got my eye focused on the star the star that's leading me and guiding me to my uh, eternal home. That star, I got my eye. You today may have things in your life that's going on, but that if you keep your focus on the star, then it will continue to lead you and guide you. I'm going to close with the words to a portion of the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Star of wonder, star of light, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding. Guide us to thy perfect light. The star, that light, the Holy Spirit is still leading people to Jesus. No longer a baby in the manger, leading them to Jesus, the living Son of God. 
our Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I plead with you, look to that star, listen and sense and, and give in to that pulling of the Holy Spirit. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Still leading people to Jesus. That same light, that same Holy Spirit is still leading us believers towards our eternal destination. Again, none of us, none of us are perfect. We have flaws. We have things in our lives that God is continually working on. But we have to keep our eye on the star. We have to keep our eye on the living Son of God. We have to keep our eye on Jesus so that he can complete that work that he's begun in us. Let's pray. Father, again, we come before your throne of grace and we thank you for your eternal word that we know is continually working in each of our lives. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would just continue to open our ears that we might hear you. Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see you. And open our hearts that we might know you in a greater way. And Father, we give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.